Hello and welcome to From Maiden to Mother, the podcast. This is Kelsey, I'm your host. And today we are chatting with Diana about her journey from maidenhood through motherhood. We get into some topics such as anovulation, irregular cycle. We talk about what it's like to conceive using a donor and assisted reproductive technologies. And I hope that you enjoy this chat as much as I did. Hello, we are here with Diana. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining me. It is such a pleasure to have the chance to chat with you. I'm honestly super excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Why don't you start by just telling us about where you are at on your journey to motherhood? Um, so right now I'm currently in my like cycle tracking because my periods are so very irregular. Um, I stopped taking birth control in September of 2021. And I thought for a while that we were doing good, but it seems that, you know, I'm still having some issues regulating my cycle. So right now, that's where we're at, but we are looking to actually meet our donor in January. So, yay! I'm super excited. I know. It's crazy. That's like a month and a half away. (laughs) I mean, relative to your journey, it's coming up soon. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) so tell me a little bit about what it's been like to get to know your cycle is it something that you've always had a chance to know well um not really I recently just started tracking my cycle like maybe two years ago um once I finally started to realize like it's not necessarily normal to not have a period for 90 plus days you know um so Really, once I got older and started to realize, like, these things aren't normal and you're supposed to have a period every, you know, 28 to 30 days, I was like, wow, this isn't normal. Maybe I should, you know, start keeping track of these things. And so um, I did, for the most part, just for my own, like, well-being. And then when I met my husband and we started talking about having a family, I was like, okay, well, I'm already, you know, doing this anyway. Let's, you know, do it a little bit more consistently. So... (laughs) How did you know that it wasn't, quote unquote, normal to have a 90 day cycle? You know, I feel like maybe there's this stigma that, you know, women say that you're supposed to have a period every month and it's normal to have one every month. And if you don't have one every month or every, you know, five weeks or whatever, that's not normal. (laughs) So that's something that we talk about a lot in female groups. We compare ourselves to each other. Exactly. So it was more so like word of mouth from others, like, oh, you know, maybe that's not normal. And I'm like, oh, maybe you're right. (laughs) I don't even remember what they taught us in health class about what was normal to have a period. I'm sure they generalized it to once a month. Like they do with everything else, which is so general. (laughs) I feel like my formal education on the reproductive system was so brief and so quick. I can hardly remember what I learned from my friends and what I learned from my teachers. (laughs) It all meshes together. (laughs) Exactly. And it's so interesting how we learn these things almost out of context like if you're in grade school and you don't have a period yet and you're learning about the menstrual cycle it's it can very easily just go right over your head yeah you know what so 
my husband is a trans man. So the other day we got on this topic and we were talking about it, how I was only 10 when I started my first menstrual cycle and so was he. And he was like, I had no idea what it was because I don't even think I had gone through like that health education, sex ed class, you know, like I don't think that either of us had experienced that before we had started menstruating. And that's so crazy to me that I don't know if it's different in Canada, but here in the United States, like it's so hard to get that education for children when they need it, before they need it. It really varies from region to region. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very lucky that I went to a pretty liberal, modern school. Like it was as opposed <laughs> to, you know, a more conservative school. Um, yeah. And so I did get a pretty comprehensive sex education, but I know that that's not the experience for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I almost feel lucky, which is so sad. <laughs> like, it should be a right. I I have a stepdaughter, and I think about the things that I really hope that she knows when it's time for her to know all of these things on mm-hmm. her path, because there are so many things that you're right. The timing just doesn't always line up. The timing is everything. <laughs> exactly and so many things are kind of brushed off until you're in the wanting to have kids zone too even from doctors they're exactly. like oh don't worry about that you're not trying to have kids yet and it's like well um I should have worried about that a few years ago I think it would have made yeah, right? kids easier like the birth control they don't tell you the side effects and stuff the long-term side effects of that stuff until you know you're in a position like we are where we're trying to conceive and trying to have children and now we have all these lingering side effects that make it harder or even impossible to conceive and carry a child. What kind of side effects did you notice lingered after you went off birth control? Um, so I have the Nexplanon implant and I noticed it took almost, I want to say six to eight months to get an actual period again. Wow. And then, yeah, and for me that was like, wow, like, does this really, these amount of hormones stay in your body that much that, you know, six to eight months later down the line, you're still struggling to even get a period. Um, I also noticed that my periods are not the same as they were. So typically my, my period was only, I want to say maybe two to three days long. And now it's anywhere between like three to five, three to six. Um, but that could also be maybe because I'm getting older and people say that your bodies change as you get older, you know, you become like a a woman, (laughs) I guess you could say, and you, your body kind of changes and adjusts. So maybe that's what it is. But I have noticed that it is, you know, a lot more common for my periods to not come regularly. How old are you? Um, I'm going to be 25 in April. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I'm going to be 29 this month. And I, I did notice a shift in my body kind of 24, 25, 26. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Typically, you know, your body changes like when you first start menstruating and then around like 18 and then again around 25. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe maybe this is just how my body is going to be for the rest of my life. And I'm only going to get a period every three months. <laughs> And that's another thing. We're often taught that, you know, you get your period and it is what it is. We're not taught that it can change and it can ebb and flow. And when you get into even just looking at how you feel in your 
own cycle, one cycle at a time. Mm -hmm. And then you can look at how you feel over the course of many cycles. Yeah. really is a very distinguishable pattern if you know to look for it if someone points exactly. out and suggests that you look for it exactly that's very true <laughs> when your period came back after being off of birth control what was that like for you um honestly it was really hard um i've always had really rough periods so um endometriosis and uh ovarian cancers and uterine cancers and stuff like that run in my mom's side of the family so um I've always had terrible periods I've always been told like there's nothing wrong with you you're fine just take this birth control pill and you'll be fine and so for me it was you know do I make the sacrifice to get off of this medication and you know suffer my periods every month so I was like okay you know what let's make the decision I made the decision I got off of it when I got my period the very first time, I was miserable for days. It was terrible. My husband was like, are you sure you're okay? And I was like, I'm fine. Like, I'll tough it out. I'll get through it, whatever. Um, now that they're so far apart, that uterine lining is building up. So my periods are very heavy. But the pain isn't necessarily as bad as it used to be. Still not my favorite thing in the world. But, you know, who is like I love having cramps and I love being on my period you know what I mean like exactly exactly <laughs> I mean, when you go seven months without when you're hoping for it to resume there is a sense of relief I remember I cried when my period came back it was gone for over a year after I had stopped birth control I had been on the depo prevera shot and I found it very interesting that my doctor presented that to me as normal uh, well kind of around the six month mark she was mm-hmm. she thought mm, well I mean we could keep waiting <laughs> but there wasn't a concern even at the one year mark it was like okay well we'll try something we'll try metformin actually they put me back on birth control for a month and I said I'm only doing this once <laughs> this is counterproductive <laughs> to my plan I'll try okay. it once I'll do one cycle to see if that triggers a withdrawal but it, it's just crazy how we're told all of these things but not told to just observe our body and learn all of these things for ourselves. Yeah. Like cycle tracking should be taught in schools and it's not. And that's just so crazy to me because it's, it's a necessary skill for most women nowadays, whether you're trying to conceive or not. Yeah. It's become a very necessary thing, especially if you're not trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. to know your cycle and to exactly. have that knowledge it really is very important how has this affected your relationship um you know it's hard it it's hard um my husband and I talk about it all the time like if we could conceive naturally and you know my periods were regular like maybe we would already be parents you know um, or at least be pregnant at this point. And it's not necessarily the easiest discussion to have. And, you know, we talk about it quite often that we may not get pregnant the first time around because my body seems to be just doing whatever it wants to do at the moment. And we can schedule a time to meet with our donor and 
you know, do our insemination. But what if I'm not ovulating the way that my body is supposed to be, but yet my doctor is still brushing it off like it's not necessarily important to her, but it's important to me. And it's a hard conversation to have. We stick through it. We have those hard conversations and it's nice to have those hard conversations, especially with somebody who, you know, you are married to and that you need to have those hard conversations with. Yes. And I so appreciate you sharing because when we talk about tracking our cycle and are we ovulating, that's a lot of pressure on the receiving partner. Mm -hmm. And we take on a lot of that, but there is a lot of pressure on the support partner too. Mm -hmm. They're still going through all of this mentally and emotionally Mm -hmm. as well. And sometimes physically, absolutely. That can be a huge part of it on both sides, but the mental and the emotional can weigh so heavy when you don't really know how to express that. Like, how do you express to your partner? Like, Oh, it's, it's not my cycle, but I'm still worried. Is it regular? And is it going to work? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. We discussed also um, going through and doing the reciprocal IVF. Um, and for those like who don't know what that is, it's basically where like we would harvest his eggs. He would obviously have to come off of his testosterone shots and go through the whole medical process there. And then I would carry um, his eggs. And we have that conversation quite a bit. And we still go back and forth on that, you know, like our are we going to pursue this because it is physically and mentally hard on him to make that decision to stop taking his testosterone shots. And, you know, they put you on birth control for six months and it's very dysphoric for, for him mentally and physically to do something like that. So that was a decision that we had to make. So now it's like the pressure is on (laughs) for me to be able to conceive, you know, (laughs) That is a huge decision to make. And I mean, there are so many different ways to grow a family these Mm -hmm. days. And there's lots of different factors. You know, what do you have access to and what is even Mm -hmm. an option, you know, physically? And when you do your testing, what is going to give you the best chance? Exactly. There's so many different things that you never even imagined that you would have had to even consider. Yeah, if you had sat down with me at 18 and we were having this conversation, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> I I never would have imagined that this would be my situation. I always thought, you know, I'll be able to have a baby whenever I feel that I'm ready. And that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> no, having to line up your body, which you can't really control how it goes. I mean even if you're very carefully manipulating your hormones with medications, you still Mm -hmm. have to trust that your body's going to respond in a predictable way, line things up with your donor, and then Mm -hmm. still hope that it works. Exactly. There's still that piece that I think a lot of the time our friends and family forget when we're talking about wanting to have a baby and wanting to grow a family, it's not just as simple as getting all of the ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. There is still a piece that comes down to fate or magic yeah. or whatever you want to call it, where you have to just trust that it's going to work after all the hard yeah. navigating. You can do anything and everything, but at the end of the day, it's 
not te- it's not technically your decision to make. It's whatever, you know, I guess higher power, spiritual belief, whatever you believe in that makes that decision for you. And it's just so, I don't know, maybe for me, because I'm an anxious person, it makes me feel overwhelmed because <laughs> yeah. you know you spend all this time and money and effort and at the end of the day you may still end up with nothing at all and that's with a lot of stuff in life not just necessarily you know trying to conceive yeah you've got to meet in the middle between you know we've got to try a little bit we've got to put in enough effort that it's mm-hmm. possible to have it yeah. <laughs> and then you do have to let go and it's hard to let just a part of you let go because you've got to stay 75% strong, 80% strong, (laughs) especially when you're scheduling doctor's appointments. And I don't know, are you guys thinking of doing like the IUI, that kind of insemination? We talked about that. Um, I think we want to do like an at-home artificial insemination first and try our luck with that. And then if that doesn't work, then I believe that we did discuss the IUI and that would be our next best option um I think we want to do you know like maybe two or three tries of both and then if all else fails we'll maybe resort to IVF or um we did discuss adopting so that is also an option for us as well and you know we would love to have our own child but there are so many children in this world who need homes as well so yeah lots of really really hard choices to make and things Mm -hmm. to consider and I so appreciate you opening up about it because it is not easy to bring up all of these really personal things yeah it's a lot (laughs) um we're not very we've come to the decision that you know it's the way that we're trying to have a family is not taboo I guess like it's not traditional so we haven't discussed a lot with like the people around us. We do have um, a, a really close friend to us who is um, in an LGBT relationship as well. And they're also talking about starting a family. So really those are the people that we talk to. But other than that, you know, our friends are in, you know, straight relationships and can have children and are pregnant or already have children. And it's not necessarily something that they find that they want to discuss with you, you know? So it's nice to be able to, you know, come on your podcast and have these conversations with you because who knows how many other people out in the world are listening to this podcast as well and are in the same situation that I'm in or our friends are in and, you know, need somebody to be like, it's not just you, you know, like there are other people in the world who are going through the exact same things and are struggling the same way that you are. And it's it's hard, but... (laughs) you know, you'll get there eventually. Exactly. It's hard, but we're doing it together. And that makes it just a little bit easier, I find. Yes. And I really appreciate your perspective as someone who is married to a trans person. That is not necessarily a part of the trying to conceive community that is often highlighted and it's really brave of you to share your journey and your partner's journey too I know my partner is very private and it's hard to share my journey while still (laughs) respecting their journey but it's very important for people to feel seen and heard 
Yeah, I've always wondered because you don't talk much about your partner. So I was always curious. And then I I think you just recently talked about it in one of your videos that, you know, your partner was more private about it. And that was something that I had brought up to my husband. And I was like, how much of our life do you want me to share? <laughs> like, how much of, you know, it's not just me, it's you. And he was like, talk about what you want to talk about. Like, this is our life together, you know. And you're right, um, trying to conceive in a, you know, in a marriage with a trans man is really not talked about at all. I tell people, you know, like, oh, my husband and I are tra- trying to have a baby. And they're like, what do you mean trying? And I'm like, okay, well, like, it's not that easy, you know. And typically when you hear IVF, you think either, you know, people in your situation who are struggling to conceive or have conceived and have, you know, miscarried or you think you know um gay or lesbian couples and it's like okay well what about us like (laughs) you know we're here too and people forget that a lot so I felt like the best way to you know make it heard would be to maybe do something like this a podcast yes it is such an honor for me to be able to provide a space for people to tell their stories because I can talk all day about my story. That's great. <laughs> and I appreciate that people are interested, but I am so interested in what other people go through too, because that's what got me into this community. And that is how I started sharing is a friend of mine introduced me to the TTC Instagram world. I didn't even realize that was a thing. I truly thought I was going through this alone. Yeah. And we hear that phrase a lot, like you're not alone, you're not alone, but I truly didn't have anyone that I was talking to about it. I did wasn't yeah. telling my friends. And then I saw that this friend was sharing her journey very publicly on Instagram. And I was just amazed at her bravery because it is something that's very personal and it's lots of really tender emotions that she was putting out there, but I felt so seen and like, there was not only one person that understood, but her community obviously understood what she was going through for her to share in the way that she did as often as she did. And that gave me the bravery to share my story. And now it's been like therapy for me and not everyone has to share their story yeah. to heal from the sharing of people's stories. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy how big the TTC community is. And, you know, there's still people out there who are in the situations that we're in and haven't discovered that yet. I just recently, within the last year or so, discovered just how big the community really is. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And there's, it's so diverse. It's not just women who are having trouble carrying a child. It's multiple people, multiple demographics, people all over the world. It's it's crazy. And if more people knew just how big the TTC community was, I think it would help people feel a lot less, you know, secluded and people would feel a lot more heard because it's not something that people want to talk about, you know? And I feel very grateful that we have social media in this generation to connect us. It makes me kind of sad to think about past generations that didn't have the means to connect in the ways that we do. And like, I know how I feel when I'm talking to people, you know, at an event or whatever, and it comes up that we might have something in common on the thread of infertility <laughs> or conception. And it's like, oh, oh, you kind of tune into that a little bit. <laughs> and I can't imagine what 
it would have been like for me because I I was introduced to this community at the very beginning of my journey and so I I suffered in silence for years when I went through some pregnancy losses while I was not actively trying to conceive Mm -hmm. it was very complicated emotions that I was going through and so now when I was on this journey of very intentionally wanting to welcome in a baby and it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening every month felt like torture and so I found this community I, I I think it was probably about six months into my journey and I can't imagine what it would be like now three years into this journey if I hadn't found that support when I did it truly came mm-hmm. to me when I needed it yeah it's crazy how the universe works in the way that it does like things just come at you at the randomest times but really when you need them the most and I think for me that was that was a big thing too was well where do I start you know really really like where do I start when it comes to tracking my cycle now that we are trying to have a baby and it was a lot of research and not even just the access to social media but the access to the internet was huge that is a huge huge you know resource for a lot of women nowadays who are either just starting to try to conceive women who in you know in your case who were you know going through their pregnancy losses and needed that support and didn't know where to get it (laughs) you know you just type in ttc support groups on the internet and there you go it's crazy like it it's just it's crazy how the world has changed and you're right what did the you know previous generations do in these cases I, i don't know i feel like maybe they talked to their friends or you know their moms or their sisters I hope I hope people did um I highly doubt there were advertisements for miscarriage support <laughs> groups no I really hope people have found ways to connect and I'm sure I'm sure people have um I wanted to ask you did you ever have a moment where you knew that you wanted to go on this journey to conception you know ever I've gone back and forth um my mom has this old project that I did when I was in grade school and it was like what do you want to be when you grow up and of course I put I wanted to be a mom (laughs) but I had gone back and forth for a really long time and throughout high school and you know for I want to say maybe two three years after I graduated high school I was like, no, I don't want kids. Like, I just don't see it in the cards for myself. And then once I hit, like, I want to say, like, 22, I kind of realized, like, I want that love in my life, that unconditional, like, mother-parent-child relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to share that experience with myself, with my husband, And my husband wasn't very big on, you know, having kids either until um, we had started dating. And his roommate at the time, like literally the same day we started dating, she went into labor with her daughter. And seeing my husband with this tiny little baby and just how excited he got about it, I was like, I could see us doing this in our life. And he was the same way. He was like, you picked up this crying baby. And as soon as you picked her up, she was fine. She stopped crying. We would sit 
in his bedroom while they were outside doing whatever they were doing and do homework this tiny little baby and my husband's be like where's the baby and I'm like oh she's right here and he's like what are you doing I was like I'm just doing homework like we're just hanging out (laughs) like you have this natural yeah this natural motherly instinct and for me it was just like it's just so it seems so rewarding and everybody wants to make motherhood seem that it's just like the best thing in the world and it's not always that but I feel like the benefit outweighs everything else you know and it's something that when I think about I'm like I can't wait (laughs) Mm -hmm. it genuinely brings me some type of excitement into my life yeah I love that when you just tune in to your intuition and you just know that it feels right and not everyone has a moment not everyone has that kind of revelation sometimes it happens very slowly and gradually but when you've checked in Mm -hmm with your truest desires and you just know that that's what you want there's a peace that comes Mm -hmm. with making the hard decisions because you just know we're moving towards what I want what my heart wants yeah it's not always something that you wanted forever it's something maybe you've suppressed in the back of your mind like no I don't really want it no I don't really need it. it 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 doesn't matter it's okay And then now you're so longing to have that and you've wanted it this whole time. And now it's like, okay, well, what do I have to do to get it? Mm -hmm. That was for sure my experience. I didn't think I wanted to have children for, oh, probably the first 25 years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Just about. Um, I was really on the fence, but it for me came from a place of fear. I had always seen pregnancy and labor and birth as the most traumatic, horrific, painful thing a person could ever endure. And they were lucky to survive. Mm-hmm. It was basically the impression yeah. that I had been given. And that was through no fault of anyone specifically, just through society and the media. Yeah. And that's just what I had heard about it. And so why would I want to go through it? But then I had a moment where I realized, wait a minute, there are people that do this like 10 times. <laughs> Yeah, there's people who pop out kids left and right, and (laughs) they do it like it's nothing. And it's—I've always told people like, your experience is your experience, your birthing experience, your life experience, whatever it may be, is your own, and you can't let somebody else influence that decision for you. You have to kind of go out and live those experiences for yourself. And that can be really hard to do when you don't know what you want. Yeah. Exploring and the figuring it out and the questioning. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's with everything. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I often feel pressure to like make a solid decision. I don't like sitting in the unknown. We're either trying or we're not. <laughs> that's me. My husband hates it. And it's even like the littlest thing. I'm like, are we going to the store? I don't know. Do you want to? I'm like, can you make up your mind? <laughs> like, are we going or are we not? And it was something that, you know, this is something that we've never really had to have that conversation. It's always been like, yeah, we're doing this. It's just, when are we going to do it? When is the best time for us to start trying to have a family? So with your plans leading you to January mm-hmm. where are you at right now trying to get your cycle regulated um 
So I just recently started to see um, my primary care provider. She used to be an OBGYN. So right now I'm, I'm comfortable with her. Um, I was telling her, you know, these are my issues. What can we do? Um, we did some blood work. She said everything looks normal. We did a transabdominal, transvaginal ultrasound. She said everything looks good. Um, I didn't have any, you know, um, endometriosis. I didn't have any um, ovarian cysts. I didn't have anything like that. So when I told her, you know, um, I still haven't gotten my period. It's been, you know, 64 days, I think, at that point. She was like, well, here, let me give you uh, progesterone. Progesterone. Like take it for 12 days and take it at night because it will make you sleepy. And I was like, okay. So I took it for 11 days and then my period finally started. And I had a period for about four days. And now I'm currently waiting for my period to come. It was supposed to come three or four days ago. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting. I'm conflicted. Um, progesterone is an intense hormone for me it makes me emotional <laughs> it, it makes me very anxious so I kind of am trying to wait it out you know I have some of those signs like your period is coming um just kind of wait it out I'm trying to trust my body in that process but it's 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 hard to trust your body when for so long it's just done what it wants and now you want it to do something else and it's like oh well we're checking out you know <laughs> Deciding to take progesterone is a really hard decision for me too every cycle because I have really intense side effects from it, anxiety, depression, physical symptoms, you name it. It's really intense yeah. for me as well. And every month you have to you have to choose, you have to work with your doctor and decide whether or not it's worth it. It's not an yeah. easy black and white decision. There is no perfect protocol. And you're messing with how you feel every single day. Yeah. It's a lot. I commend you for putting yourself through this. That's a huge, a huge thing for me too is do I continue putting myself through the anxiety and the stress and the depression that I'm feeling taking this medication or do I stop and just let my body work its course, you know? And that's, that's a hard decision to make, definitely. It's anxiety inducing to think, well, if I trust my body and it doesn't do what I expect it to, if I don't ovulate, I'm going to have to take the progesterone again anyway. And so do I just take it now or mm -hmm. do I, or do I wait? And it's not as simple as just calling up your doctor and saying, what do I do? Not everyone yeah. has easy access like that. Not every doctor is going to give you an easy answer. Yeah. And every, it's just every cycle. What are, you, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And then all of a sudden it's going to be your insemination cycle. And now it's like, okay, is my body going to do the same thing that it's been doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I had just recently spoke with our donor, like maybe a couple weeks ago. And he's like, when are you supposed to ovulate next? And I told him I'm supposed to ovulate like right around Thanksgiving, of course. And <laughs> He was like, oh, I'm going to be out of town. And I was like, well, like, you know, God only knows at this point if I'm even going to ovulate around then. And if my period is now, you know, three to four days late, when is it going to come? You know, like, are we looking at at Thanksgiving or are we looking at, you know, Christmas maybe? It's, it's unpredictable. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And there's so many people involved uh, trying to put all these moving parts together. Oh, I can't imagine the stress. It's stressful. My husband is like, I don't know how you do it. You're a superwoman. On top of the fact that I'm a full-time student and I work a full-time Monday through Friday, nine-to-five job. So there's a lot going on in our lives that sometimes, you know, the pieces just don't fit together and that's even more stressful. What's one thing you do to relax or unwind or find some peace? I love to read. <laughs> That's cool. I am a huge like murder mystery. Um, I love James Patterson, Stephen King. Um, I love to read. I also, my husband and I have been very into um, puzzles and stuff. Oh, well, more so me. My husband kind of <laughs> just like pops in and out whenever he wants to. But um, I try to do a puzzle every once in a while. Something to kind of like take me away from my reality and put me somewhere else to kind of decompress from everything that's going on. <laughs> it's important to have some kind of like safe space or a happy place or an escape or whatever visualization you need to put on it. Yeah. But just something that's separate from that, you know, overly medical, methodical. It's almost mm-hmm. it almost becomes obsessive. Yeah and anxiety inducing just in its nature and I I feel like that comes with irregular cycles when you have a more regular cycle yeah my cycle's regular right now because of medication so I can kind of speak to both sides (laughs) when my cycle is more regular I find I am I'm way less stressed way less anxious there is still an aspect of oh am I going to respond the way I'm expecting to but then I do respond the way I'm expecting to and it's like whoo there's a relief whereas when we have cycles where I'm not medicated I actually have plans to go unmedicated if this cycle is not successful yeah I was watching your videos (laughs) how do you feel about that are you nervous I'm very nervous because, you know, I want my body to ovulate at all, period, just to keep the cycle going. (laughs) And after so many years of not ovulating and not having a cycle at all, it's hard to truly believe that my body is different now than it's been. Yeah. Because you just, you never know. Your body can be in the healthiest place and you could still not respond. You could still not ovulate. You could still go down a different path and you have to just accept it and be okay with it I mean you can be frustrated and mad and upset but then you do have to just move on because life goes on yeah Yeah, that's very true I'm it's it's stressful I tell my husband all the time like I get so relieved when I get my period because this is cycle day one like we can start over and hopefully it'll go right this time Yes, and so that's honestly just what I'm waiting for at this point is for cycle day one to come around and hopefully we get that peak ovulation and we can, you know, hopefully keep track and schedule a time to meet with our donor and eventually, you know, have a family. And that's a lot of stress. (laughs) And I hope and pray that it all works out for you. I really do. It's, It's just so unfair that it doesn't get to be easy for everyone. I really just truly wish everyone could just have the path to parenthood that they want. Yeah. If in a perfect world somewhere in maybe an ultimate universe, (laughs) there are children for everybody. And that, that's 
it, it brings me hope really to think about that you know maybe somewhere in alternate universe or in a, another life maybe that the people who are struggling now with infertility or struggling to conceive are parents and they're happy <laughs> mm-hmm. and I mean everyone has their struggles everyone has their amazing things to be grateful for and it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling on your journey it's okay to be mm-hmm. upset and sad and resentful some days and happy and excited and hopeful other days and it's okay to feel all those things in one day too because there is no rule book to navigating this yeah you make the rules as you go <laughs> you yep. feel what you feel and you feel it when you want to And that's why I'm so grateful to have friends like you to bounce these things off of and to check in with and to make sure that we're doing okay and that we're getting through it together. Yes, definitely. It's it's a hard path to go down alone, Mm -hmm. even with with a supportive partner and somebody who is so active in the journey with you. Sometimes it's it's not the same support as you would get from somebody who's going through the struggle that you're going through at the same time. Exactly. Sometimes you just need someone that really can see your perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Before we go, is there anything that you would like to put out there into the universe for people to know? Um, I think the biggest takeaway is that your time will come when it's supposed to. The universe works in mysterious ways and it works in its own pace. And it's okay to be uncertain and to not necessarily be 100% confident in the journey that you're going down. But there's still hope and there's still a light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to get there. Absolutely nailed it. You are so right. You're so, so right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate it. I enjoyed every second of this. <laughs> if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Um, so my personal Instagram is Diana Marie Velasco. Um, I did recently just make a trying to conceive Instagram. It is PTC Baby Velasco. And that's Instagram. You can also follow me on TikTok. I don't have very much um, PTC content on TikTok at the moment, but um that is in my instagram bio and i think that's it wonderful (laughs) i will link everything in the show notes for people as well beautiful yes well thank you again i'm sending you so much love i'm sending you so much luck on your journey and i will be thinking about you we will be going through um things probably on a very similar cycle actually yes definitely i'm excited i hope that this cycle for you is beneficial and I hope that you end up with your your bundle of joy (laughs) very soon and next time we chat we'll be talking about pregnancy symptoms yes yes I'm manifesting it right now (laughs) me too